just a woman. Help me to believe in what I could be and all that I am. Show me the stairway. I have to climb. Lord, for my sake, teach me to take one day at a time. One day at a time, sweet Jesus. That's all I'm asking from you. Just give me the strength to do every day what I have to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. Lord, help me today. Show me the way, one day at a time. Do you remember when you walked? Among men, Jesus, you know if you're looking below, it's worse now than then. Pushing and shoving, and clouds in my mind. Lord, for my sake, teach me to take one day at a time. Two songs, one common voice, with ten years between the recordings, and what a difference ten years can make to a young girl. To close the decade of the 60s, ten years ago this very month, I presented a documentary programme on what we called the itinerant problem. Now, ten years later, our programme is called How Far Have They Travelled? In other words, what changes have ten years, the ten years of the 70s, brought to those selfsame travellers to whom we spoke in 1969? 69 was the year of the Tigine a little house which had a roof and a lavatory. The possibility of settlement for the travellers was in the air. Sites offering shelter and a space for a horse, maybe, and some scrap, were becoming available. Localities were inviting the travellers to settle, to come in off the cruel road. That was the hope offered, and it was grasped at. Was Mary Donovan in Finglas... Ten years ago, going to do up, as they say, her little bare tigine. Yes, we are. Mm -hmm. You know, getting in beds be degrees, and we'll try and fix it up, you know. Mm -hmm. It looks shabby looking at when you come in, but when everything is fixed up, it's be nice, you know. Mm -hmm. I like to have it as clean and as good looking as anyone else, you know. Yeah. Live neighbouring and clean. What would you like your children to do when they... When they, you know, leave school. Well, I'd like some of them to be, maybe uh, get jobs, mm -hmm. you know, and work out then for themselves. Yeah. I reared them up very nice and read mm -hmm. and write. Yeah. The interviewer there was Kieran Sheedy. Last week I went in search of the Donovan family, and I found them, not in the Tigine of which they were so proud ten years ago, but in a caravan on the side of the road on a lonely road in North County Dublin. Their only neighbours were seagulls flying around a local county council dump. Before I could go to talk to the family in the caravan, one of the sons whom I met on the road, happy and laughing, insisted that I come with him to see his horses, which he had in a field, frost-encrusted, crispy under one's feet, the sun shining, and he was free and open, and apparently much happier than when I had met him in the Tigine years ago. 
and when I did meet Mrs. Donovan in her caravan, I put it to her, how did life in her tegin work out? Well, it worked out all right, like, for a while, like, you know. But I didn't like it so much. I rid of a house because it's very small for a, small, for a big family. You know, and why I didn't like it? Because the toilets and all was night together. You know what I mean? And it was very hard to keep and a family, was, was it? It was very hard to keep a family because the bedroom, the bedroom, you're sleeping, eating and drinking in the one place. And that's why I did not like it. So you prefer to be out uh, I really be out in a caravan. It was just as good to be in a caravan. Mm-hmm. Now, that's right. And uh, your family has grown a good bit since the last time. Yes, they have. The youngest now, he's four. Michael. And I remember talking to your daughter Eileen, Eileen ten years ago, and she was learning to read and write and going to school at that time. That's right. How far in, through the school did she go? Well, she went the whole time, up the whole ten years. And then Brendan went and uh, Paddy went, and Jim and Martin. And then from that then up, the rest of them went in. Johnny, Paul, and uh, my, uh, who else? Mary. And me. And Dan. And well, Mary is going to St. Cairns. She's going to Ballymone, mm. St. Cairns. And the rest of them is going to, what's the name of that school, Dan? St. Joseph. That's the Marcus Cap house. What prospect do you have of getting a house, Mrs. Donovan? Well, I don't know yet. I'd like to get a house, an end house if I could, like, you know, that you could do a bit of work on. But I'd rather have that now. So I remember you telling me ten years ago that what you liked about the Tegin most was the fact that you had your own water. Yes, well, I would. Well, you do. Well, of course, there was no bats in it. Mm. You know, and you'd need a bat for children, like, for to wash them and keep them clean when they're going to school. Keep them the best way you can, like. Has going to school helped the children anyway? Well, it does, yeah. because later on they'll need that bit of education. But what we didn't get, what we did need it on now from, from the facts, the way it facts of life, they're learning everything, like. But we never got the chance of doing that. <coughs> and I wish to God I'd get it. And maybe I'd be better off the day where I am today. So a roof was not enough, but school certainly did help. As I said, settlement was in the air ten years ago. Michael Ryan who worked and who still works with the travellers in Druhidnua, County Kildare. They have been travelling the roads a long, long time and that the first uh, great um, itinerant movement started during the Cromwell era. And uh, the next great move of uh, those people onto the roads and that was during the famine times. And uh, they have been with us uh, ever since. And uh, unless this movement of which I uh, am a part is successful, they will continue to be with us. But uh, I am hopeful that the general settlement movement as such throughout the country will gain impetus and that we will succeed in settling the majority of those families within the next decade at least. Within the next decade? Today, I wonder, what are Michael Ryan's views? I'm afraid that I was possibly a bit over-optimistic ten years ago. But I was still, nevertheless, hopeful at that particular period. But I must say that during the ten years that reasonable achievement has been made in in this particular area of settlement. And quite a large number of itinerant families have been settled all over the country. Have these families, as far as you know, remained settled? Well, a fairly high percentage of them have remained, but as you would expect from this type of uh, people and that... 
a small percentage uh, have left, and uh, it's unlikely that that percentage will ever be settled. Does this small group that will never settle uh, have particular difficulties, or are they particular kinds of people? Or there are particular kinds of people in this particular category and that. And um, you, you must appreciate that with dealing with this type of people and that you're taking them from one environment to a completely strange environment, something that they haven't been accustomed to. After all, with ourselves, if we are removed from one environment and pitchforked into another, even with our own backgrounds and that education, what have you, and that we get a difficult at times to sort of settle in a strange environment. The same works with the itinerants. I remember ten years ago, the itinerants were mainly making their living from the selling of scrap. They'd come from the dealing in horses. Uh, has the economic way of life of the itinerant changed very greatly over the last ten years? Well, there has been a massive change in that particular area, and the, the change is so great uh, that... I would consider at this juncture that there are three grades of itinerance now in this country. The grade that I would consider that are in the affluent society, the middle grade, and, uh, if you like, more or less the destitute. And there are quite a large number in the affluent society and that, and these had been scrap dealers and horse dealers, and that put they uh, graduated to um, sort of a more lucrative... Uh, grade of commerce and that, and these people, many of them, have been highly successful in that particular field. Are you referring perhaps to some of the people we see on the side of the road selling consumer goods like carpets and radios and televisions? Oh yes, those are the people that I'm referring to in that, and um, you will notice uh, with this particular type of itinerant and that, that uh, they set up their sales area in a particular area today and that the market is fairly lucrative there and they hear of someplace else in some other part of the island that it is more lucrative tomorrow and they're there tomorrow. So it is fairly difficult to, uh, to keep track on those type of people but they are, at this stage, many of those very professional businessmen. Are you suggesting, though, that by reason of the very way they live that they will never settle? I'm suggesting that uh, while their business is as good now and has been over the past three to four years, that it will be extraordinarily difficult to settle them. Uh, you will understand and appreciate uh, that many of those are driving very high-power cars and have uh, very, very uh, modern uh, <coughs> wagonettes or, uh, if you like, mobile homes attached in that and, I mean, they're quite comfortable. And uh, while they live in this particular manner, it's going to be difficult to settle them. Although I will say that, that I know of quite a few of those people that have settled of their own volition. What is the relationship between the very well-to-do itinerant, as we've now just been speaking of, and the people you would call destitute? Supposing they belong to the same clan, do they relate in the same inter-family way as they used to? Oh, no way. Uh, and that, uh, as a matter of fact, in this particular area of endeavour with those people and that the well-to-do ones at the moment are inclined to exploit the destitute, and uh, that has been the pattern. Uh, I, I think it has been even the pattern, I said, in our own section of society, but more so in the itinerant people, and that, that uh, the, the well-off and that they're all as prepared and willing to make the fast book where it can be made. Even off their own people? Even off their own people. 
Now, the, the middle group, the 50% of them who are reasonably well-off in the sense that they're, they're not destitute, at least, uh, how do you see them faring from the point of view of settling or wanting to settle? I would consider that uh, in this particular grouping uh, of the itinerants, and that, that is where your um, greatest um, prospect of settlement lies, and that because many of those have already graduated, if you like, from the destitute area and that they have moved up a peg or two and that and they have now become that little better off and that they have a better caravan or they have a better way of living and that and sort of they're beginning to appreciate, if you like, the goodies of life, uh, what they didn't up to now and that now there is uh, a very, very good chance of settlement of many of those particular people and in this particular regard, I would like to say that <coughs> where the mother of a particular family and that where she is um, uh, definitely uh, the mothers, in my view, are the bosses in the family, no matter what we in the settled uh, end of the community might think. And if the mother is anxious to settle, whether the husband likes it or not, that family will be settled, ultimately settled, if, her, if the mother makes up her mind that she is going to get off the road off the road she'll get. I wasn't able to talk to any of those well-off travellers to whom Michael Ryan made reference. But one person I did find, another inhabitant of a Tigine in 1969, Mrs James Hanrahan. Well, I'm 33 years married, and ever since that I'm still around County Dublin, never been to travel much. So you've been for 33 years, more or less, in the one area? Yes. Still travelling around? Yes. And after 33 years, you think you have a, well, a claim on the place? Oh, if I suppose I should. So County Dublin is your home? County Dublin is my home, yes. And uh, now that you're settling down here, you don't feel that there's very much of a change? Uh, no, of course, no. Sure, I mean, still in the one area, you may say. And uh, do you like to settle? I love to settle, so yes. Why? Well, for a certain reason of educating the girls, you know, and I was the last two I have, which the others didn't get a chance to do. And uh, I hope to bring up those two well anyway. Well, you brought up the others well too, from Well, they were, see. of course, but still they had no education, mm. you know. Although they got good jobs without education. Now that you're off the road, <laughs> that way, uh, do you find life in the Tigine? I uh, think it's marvellous, sir. It's marvellous, sir. It's every attention for us, like, you know. And uh, no doubt about it, the government and everything is very good to the nuns, priests and everyone. It's very kind of it to us. But do you think that there'll ever come a day when you feel like going back on the road? No, sir, never. Please, God. I found Mrs Hanrahan and her family, or at least some of it, not in a tigine, not in a house, but in a caravan on the side of the road. The caravan was parked in the middle of half a dozen or so other caravans, all belonging to the same family, the same clan, all relations. A united community, in fact. Mrs. Hanrahan was in bed. She has suffered a stroke, but still she was as cheerful as ever. I asked her about her life in the Tigine. Was she happy there? And she said the neighbours had been the problem. Then we had bad company around us. We couldn't stand it, you know. There were all good people we had around us, and how would you stay? You couldn't. That, I suppose, is one of the big problems of moving into the house, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Well, if you're left happy, you'll be all right. But when you're bad neighbours, you can't. That's, that's why we left it. So you moved out? We moved out. And we went over here to uh, 
care about. And we were there for a few months, we left it again. So, we're here now in the caravan again. And you're, you're happier in the caravan? Well, I, I am, sir. But I, I was in the hospital, and I had a commotion. I couldn't rest on it. I know I could stay in the hospital, and I wouldn't stay in it. I'd sooner die in the road. I suppose the, <coughs> the, the real reason is that the caravan is your own place. It is, that's true, sir, yeah. And you can make your own neighbours. And you can, that's the yeah. truth. I remember we were talking about your daughters. You were particularly interested in the daughters at yes. the time. They were beginning to go to school. That's right. Uh, I got a good few months school in, in that care back then. And how have they fared since? Oh, there's one of them can read and write now. and She's not so bad. She can do a little bit. The other one is a good scholar. Yeah. What's her name? Margaret. Margaret. I will have a word with Margaret in a minute. But, uh, the other one is not too bad. No. She, mm. she can write letters over to England to her brothers, like, you know. Yes. You had ten children that time, I remember. Most of the big boys were in England. And they're all away in England still. They're still in England. I've only one here now. Already. Yeah. That's all. And, uh, all married away. Have you seen any changes in the ten years in the traveller's condition? I got it. Did. Have they got better or have they got worse? Oh, they, they got better. Got better. Oh, a lot in better. In what way? In every way. Comfort and, you know, and... Some of them nice no manner no matter what they were, you know, you could talk to them, but they were uncivilised that time. What has helped to civilise them, to use your own word? Was it school or money or...? I don't know. Well, yes, school, I suppose, done a good part of it for the mm. young ones. Mm. So they're, they're a bit better now. You can talk to them now, but one thing you couldn't, you know, some of the people, you know. Even some of my own. They're on more than altogether. So even though you are in bed and have had a stroke, you still think that life is better after the ten years? Well, yes. I don't regret it now, thank God. Mm. I do be lonesome lying all day, day in and day out. Mm. I don't go any places. But that drinks me point. Day in and day out. I, I, haven't, I haven't there for after dinner. A healthy thing to do. Well, I don't know. I don't help it either. Yeah. Still, I can't do it. I like it. It'd bring me from death to life once, then I still drink it. I was told years ago to take a bottle of stout any time I could get it from the doctor, so I do. And I still drink for it. It makes me sleep. I suppose the difference between the ten years now is that you can afford the bottle of stout now and then. Yeah, but you couldn't afford it at that time. Yes. Times is better now. I think there's more store of money through the country, like, you know. If you're selling old thing, well, you'll sell something, you know, but that time people hadn't the price of it. Yeah. You know I mean? Are most of your family trading? Oh, yes. Oh, they dealing? Are, they're all thermal addicts over there. Ah, yes. Yeah. Yeah. On the road. Yes. Yeah. They do their own thermal addicts. Yeah. Well, they're, they're doing well. How often do they come home to see you? Well, I had two of them home here a couple of months ago. Two boys. I suppose there'll be a lot of them home today for this funeral, you know. Now. Yes. You have a funeral next door in the caravan. At least yes. the, the person is coming back yes. from England. From London, yes. Yeah. Is the funeral a big occasion for the travellers? Oh, yes. And they died in Australia, they have to come back to their own place. And every family has its own burial ground? Oh, yes. Different parts of the country, you know. They all belong. Remember the old man you were talking that time? Well, he, I do, he yes. He was buried in Rada. That was my father. Your father, that's right. He, was, he died um, at 95 that time. He died. Yes. I think he was. Did he die in no. Fingless? Died on the road, yeah. On the road? In the camp, yeah. 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 Like, never was sick in his life. So he he died on the road. He wouldn't go to hospital anyway. Mm. Mm. Ah, just old ticker went down. He couldn't yes. hold it no longer. Yes. 
Couldn't wait no longer for him. So do you see any prospect now after the 10 years of the travellers ever settling, or do you really think that they, they're, they're happier on the road? Well, I suppose what you're used to, 160. Mm. They're bred, born and reared on the road. It's hard to get off for two, yeah. isn't it? It is. But, uh, I don't know. I would like to settle them. I had part of my own people, like, in the one place, you know, and no strangers were arguing and fighting. I don't like that. And that's what happened down in the Tiggins? Well, no, no, no. no. But, you see, there's, uh, there's, there's different sorts of people. There's a few of them people dead too since you were there. Really? Well, Joyce yeah. is there. Yeah. Oh, yes, I remember. Oh, well, John Joyce, he yeah. died. Yeah. Oh, it's one request I like from you. It's now before I die. Bring back me old bones, oh, to Ireland, me boys. And bury them in the clay. And write it down in me tombstone, me land. For everyone passed by. That I die quite broken-hearted, me land. For me bonny bold Irish boy. They may have no place to settle in until the end of the road comes and then they're very sure of where they want to settle with their own people. It's a question of culture. It's a question of education, particularly, of schooling. Ten years ago, Sister Veronica of the Holy Family Convent in Drihadnua. Well, it's quite simple, really. Um, we just started the very foundation and uh, with the use of pictures and their own handwriting and drawings and uh, handwork, we get into the use of letters and words. And then gradually they become interested when they can see that they can write down what they see. So then we make sentences and tell stories. And uh, from that way go on then to book reading. Mm -hmm. Do you concentrate on on reading uh, to start? Well, um, it is mostly handwork uh, with uh, reading attached. And then uh, the, uh, by degrees then, when they get in to know, when they have a certain vocabulary, it's quite easy for them to uh, uh, get into the way of writing little stories on their own and that. And then we have picture books, and uh, they want a normal reading after about two months. And they're quite interested, more interested now than I'd ever seen the ordinary school-going child that started at the age of four. Why do you think this is? Well, it's really novelty to them. And they feel a kind of an achievement to be able to write down or to read what they see. And when they see packets coming from the shops or notices written here or there, they come in and they want to know what does this spell? What does so-and-so spell? You know, And they're quite... Uh, the next day then they'll come with more and more words. What does this spell? And after a while, they can really get on on their own, and they're very intelligent. And there's very little, I'd say, very little trouble from the ordinary child that comes in at that age if they're allowed to come to school like the present children we have. Mm-hmm. There's no trouble. Sister Veronica may be long retired from formal teaching in her school. She's now a great age. And I asked her the other day what changes she had seen over the last ten years. Well, um, there's a great awareness of what they, they, they have a great 
desire to learn, the children have, and uh, they appreciated it. And once they start learning, they're really mean to keep on. But then the parents come in. The parents are the greatest trouble of all. Uh, they take them off, and then the cycle is broken. But on the whole, on the whole, there are several families during those ten years that can read and write, and they have a better outlook on things, and they have a greater appreciation of being of settling down. And uh, that is about the sum total that there is really an advancement on their outlook, and the children like the learning and. And the whole, the parents have cooperated. They have sent them to school. Do you think, with your experience now, that the school is the best place to teach the children how to read and write? Well, there are two answers to this. The school will do, the ordinary school will do, if the children that come in off the road are placed in a lower standard in the very start the infant standard now if they feel awkward in that if they're too old well couldn't, uh, I would recommend that the children through justice will be given an hour a day one hour a day they're usually very quick to learn give them an hour a day of private tuition and within six months they can really go into the school and take up with the classes. But I look at it as a great injustice uh, to see travelling children, no matter what age they are, placed in the ordinary school classes. It's frustrating for the children, and they realise that they're passed over. They can't keep up. They're ignored. Now, uh, that is really the biggest point that I could see about the teaching of travelling children. Take them privately or else put them in a lower standard. The very start. You wouldn't agree, would you, with a separate school because, of course, part of learning is to learn to live with the other children in the school and everything else. Uh, Well, I wouldn't agree with separate schooling. No. They're better off and far better off to join in with the ordinary settled community children. They're better off they can pick up more. They are not. They are out of their own environment. But what I really mean to say is, don't place them alone all the time. Give them a start alone, and then let them join in with the army children. Ten years ago, Eileen, you sang away in the manger. Yeah, that's right. Do you remember the song now? No, I don't remember. Your brothers and sisters, I think, are better singers than you are at the moment, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. How did you like going to school? It was all right. All right, on leg was that? It was nice, like on yes. Did it help you in any way uh, if you were thinking about, say, going for a job or working or anything like that? It did. It, it learned me a lot of lessons, you know, working and all, because I was working. You have been working. Yeah. You're not working at the moment. No, no. What chance have you have of a job? I take a job now. I've got one. What What did you work at? Um, a sewing machine. In a factory. Yeah. And how long did that last? I, I was a year and a half working in it. And uh, why did you leave? Well, the money was too low. Like. Money was too low? Yeah. 
uh, were they giving you low money because you were a traveller or were they giving everybody low money? Well, no, most girls like got more money than what I did, no. Was there any reason for that? As opposed to war reason and as opposed to one reason, you know. Yeah. Well, the women was very nice, and you know. As Eileen said, there were reasons and there weren't reasons. One of the reasons, I think, so far as I could gather, was that it wasn't easy for somebody new to reading to follow the written instructions necessary for a machinist in a factory. Margaret was another young girl whom I met ten years ago, just beginning to go to school to learn to read and write. She learned the basic skill of reading and writing, didn't like it very much in school, gave it up, and went, as a lot of her people do, begging. Oh, I gave it up begging four years ago. Uh, I sell it to those now. Tell them what you sell. What do you sell, yes? I sell continental quilts, blankets, um, bedspreads. Not belong to us, belong to other people. So you're selling? Yeah. And uh, how are you treated when you come around selling the stuff? I know a lot of people. And they trust what you're selling in that. Oh, yeah. 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 So yeah. You just sell it for a penny. I can leave them there if I want to, and I can come back later on. Mm. If they haven't got the money, if their husband's not in, I can leave them there and come back and collect. They know me, going around. So you're you're part of the the place now, in a sense. And they have to be in an area around here. Mm. It's small, and they're going around here. You never thought of getting a job or going working in? I did. I was getting a job before. And when I fell in the farm, the, the woman wouldn't let me get, get the job. job. Why not? She tore up the farm. It said, I knew how to read some of the boxes, but no packing boxes of chocolate. You got to know all the names, you know, labels to stick on the boxes. But at that time, I didn't know. So I tore up my farm. And have you got better at the reading since? Yeah. Not much, better than what I was. I never learned nothing in school. Whatever I learned, I learned off television. You learned off off television? Yeah. See, uh, when advertisements come down, well, the people read it first, and then the next time I know how to read, and then I know the words. While speaking to Margaret about her schooling, about learning to read from television... Inevitably, the subject of television came up and a discussion started about a film which both RTE and the BBC had just recently transmitted. The film called Katie, about an itinerant child, abandoned by her father, her mother sick. The travelling children were most critical of that view as presented by that film of the itinerant way of life. A travelling child that break the heart after, but I didn't even cry there. So that was one thing I, I didn't like about that. I loved it, liked it every part of it, every part of Because a travelling child won't do that. I don't think they could be held down on the mother part like that. No, they wouldn't They wouldn't go like that. They'd never go like that. I knew they were dating. And anyways, like, the way they, the way they, the way they put it out, every father is supposed to do that. 
you know. Mm. And every every father is not like that. No. You know, about drinking and spend the money. No. For drinking. Yeah, it was very strange that the father went away and left them yeah. without saying where he was going or without kind of uh, keeping in touch with the family, you know? Yes. <laughs> it's not like that, no. Well, a bit like the Travers, no. Travers, you know, was some of them I know the birthdays, you know, that was where the parties' birthdays. Wouldn't, wouldn't, wouldn't happen like that. It wasn't like that, she was very sure. I'm going to say that's the last thing I had to think of it. As a child. But she was great. Yeah, she was she great. was great. Nice uh, girl. Uh, did you see but you haven't got very many words to say in it. She was well. no. very small words to say in it. She was very real. She was, yeah. She wasn't real enough, though. Not where the gravers are at the, where the police came in. Yeah. Because it, <laughs> it won't stand for that when they were putting out the fur. When they put out the fur. Because no one of them children ever talked or ever said nothing. But a travelling child will, the last one, why did I know about Why should I do it? Why did I do it? You know, remember the time the woman was buried and the chiller was there? Well, it's how big people had a hold them chillers. I didn't understand the word. With the crying? Yeah, the big people had a hold them and then they died and the mother died. Yeah. She was a young woman, 24. Yeah. And she had five, six chiller. No, five chiller, four boys and one little girl. Bigger than them then, it took big people to hold them back and yeah. where the mother was going down. Once I had a mother and she was kind to me And the time is I was in trouble she sipped me a pan honey One night as I was sleeping upon my feather bed An angel came from heaven and told my mom was dead I woke up early next morning and see it was the truth. Oh yes, my mom was gone to heaven above the sky so blue. Now children, children, pardon, do what you be told. Any time you lose your mother, you lose your heart of gold. While speaking to the Henrihans in their caravan, the sound of a very fastly driven motor car came to us through the window and there was a crash of something falling off the car or lorry it appeared to me I said to the people in the caravan something has fallen off a lorry and they ran to the window and looked out they turned around and they said no sir it was thrown off the fact of the matter was that a member of the settled community had driven his car at great speed down the road where the caravans were parked and as he passed the caravans had opened the rear door of his motor car and thrown out a large carton full of rubbish and bottles and glass onto the road. It was as easy to dump it at the itinerant site as go the extra few miles, perhaps, to the county council tip head. Now, the last interview, which we did ten years ago for our programme on the itinerants, was with a young girl of 22, seated on the steps of a house in Stevens Green on a cold, dark winter's night. Her name was Mary, and I asked her, I well remember, where was home to her? Black Rock. What is home like? Ah, well, it's just a camp on the ground. That's on it. the ground? Yes. What's it like these cold nights? Oh, well, it's, it's very cold, you know, mm. to be out. And when you left home at three o'clock, and you came in here to Stevens Green in Dublin, uh, how oh, did you come in? On the bus. 
on the bus. And then what did you begin to do? Start begging. And what kind of a reception did you get on a cold day like this? Well, a, a lot of people passed me by, you know what I mean? And did just an odd person stood, you know, to give me a, maybe sixpence or a shilling. And would you make enough today to buy enough food for today? Well, I'd say yes, buy enough of food, but that's all, you know what I mean? Now, you... You are 22, and you're living in a tent. Living in a tent with whom? My sister and brother. And where is your father and mother? Out in Ballyfermot. And why did you leave home? Well, there wasn't enough room there. It was too small. How much room have you in Ballyfermot? Well, it's only just, um, do you know the sites? Mm -hmm. Just a small place, you know, there's only two beds in it. And how many are in the family? There's uh, 14. But when you were living there, did you like living in a house? Yes, I did. I liked it very much. And I'd like to live now in a house. So, do you see any chance of getting a house yourself now? You're single, 22, and walking the road, if you like. No, sir, I don't think so. Or I'd even like a job if I could get it, or something, you know. What kind of a job would you take if you were given it? Well, something, you know. I wouldn't mind what kind of a job, once I get one. It'd be better than going around, wouldn't it? Begging. You're all old, dirty beggars, dirty old tramps. You shouldn't be on the road, you should be shot years ago. You got too much education. Why do you think they should be shot years ago, sir? Yes, well, they're too clever. That evening, ten years ago, Mary, a young, reserved girl, was having trouble with the settled community. She's a loner. It wasn't easy to find her after ten years' gap. But chance came my way, and I met her. And when I met her, I asked her if she were still under canvas. Well, I'm not under canvas, but I would have been, only for the Vincent de Paul, St. Vincent de Paul, in uh, Marion Road. They bought a, an old caravan that was half burned for me, and I got it mended up, and I'm in that now. So that when I met you ten years ago, you was out in Black Rock, you were living. Yes, that's And right. then you were in the Marion Road. Does that mean that you've been staying in the same area more or less all that time? Well, I'm, uh, yes, in the south side. Uh, although I moved pretty often by the corporation and uh, I have my children going to school on the south side and that's my reason for wanting to be on the south side. So you're fairly settled now at this stage are you? Well uh, as a matter of fact I should have been ages ago but I'm unsettled still. You were out on the Merrion Road and then you were moved right across the city yes. to the Finglas area. Yes without my, my knowledge of my caravan this uh, caravan I have now I was away getting hospital treatment because I got, took arthritis last winter from sleeping out with my kids and uh, I was away getting hospital treatment for my arthritis and when I came back the corporation and my caravan gone to a, a site which I didn't like there was a hundred itinerants and uh, there was one little toilet one tap and you'd have to live in your caravan for two pounds a week and it moved me from Marine Gates, where I had three taps and two public toilets. And where uh, my children could go to school, one going to Bray and the other to St Mary's and Haddington Road. How are the children getting on since they started to go to school? Well, they're getting on very well. They like the school very well. And uh, I don't think I get another school that they'd like as much. And that was my main reason for wanting to stay in the south side. Well, now, between the time we met the last time, ten years ago, and recently when you were moved by the corporation from that place, 
Uh, how has life been treating you? Um, it's very bad. Very bad. For the one kind person you will meet, you'll meet a thousand unkind. Have you been able to get a job at all? I remember you saying that you wouldn't, you wouldn't mind having a job if you'd have a roof over your head because of yes, it. Yes, I'd love a job, but uh, the way I am, nobody will trust or will take you on to work, you know. Why do you think that? <laughs> well, I, uh, I don't think it, but I know it for a fact. There's only one in a thousand that will trust anyone in my position. Do you think they'll trust your children more now that they'll know how to read and write and have well, been yes, to school? Well, yes, I think they will, yes. That's one reason why I'd like my children to be educated. Well, Supposing I met you in ten years' time now uh, and asked you what had happened to the children, what would you hope for at now, this stage, to happen to the children in the next ten years? Well, I'd like them to be educated and uh, get a job here in their own country and not to be having to go across water or to England or any other country to get work. And I think they won't get that unless they're educated, which I can't do. I'm getting ran away from every place that I try to settle in. I'm after being run out of 10 or 12 places now. And uh, I still have to send my children back to the same schools on buses and anywhere I can get them to it. But you're back on the south side of the city now? Yes, I am. Nearer the schools again? Yes, I had to get pay a person to... My caravan was taken by the corporation while I was in getting hospital treatment. And uh, I'd, I had to wait till half past two that day, from 11 till half past two, to find out where my caravan was moved to. So they had it moved to Finglas, and all my pots gone in a corporation lorry, and my clothes, everything I had, taken away in a corporation lorry to be dumped. And where were the children? Uh, they were at school. So I waited there until the children came back, and uh, then a man told me that my caravan was moved to Finglas. So when I went out and saw that there was so many travelling people in the site, and I don't stay with many travelling people, never. And uh, I didn't like it. And I knew the kids who can get back to their own school that they liked. I got my caravan moved back into the city and I had to pay £13 to get moved back. So I'm now in a place where I'm expecting to be run out of again. Do you remember when you walked among men? Jesus, you know, if you're looking below, it's worse now than then. Pushing and shoving and clouds in my mind. Lord, for my sake, teach me to take one day at a time.